Ah, Jesus, that we'll come before you in prayer and mourn with you. Amen. If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, we're going to be in verses 33 through 37 today as we continue our journey through Matthew and looking at the kingdom of God and what it means and who it is and what Jesus has to say about the things that are going on. And this week really is a continuation of last week's sermon. As Cody dealt with the passage before this, he spoke about what was going on as the Pharisees claimed that Jesus was acting on behalf of the prince of the demons and Beelzebul and that he was not acting in the power of the Holy Spirit but in the power of some evil spirit. And so as they do this, their words come out and they are made evident as to who they are. And Jesus is going to confront them with this. He's going to continue this idea of his lordship and his prominence by showing the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the others, who he is and what he's come to do and what, how God is working in and through him. And as we see in this passage today, that he is going to do that by just being straightforward as can be and confronting the untruth that they are portraying, confronting the evil lifestyle that is within them and confronting who they are as evil individuals and demonstrating in the process who he is as God. Imagine with me, if you would, we're standing before the judgment seat and science has told us that we can recall every event and every word that has ever taken place in front of us, that our brains are capable and do hold all of those things within it. The problem is we just can't access the far reaches of our brain. We don't use the potential that God has built into his people. We don't use the full power of what we have. And so imagine that if you could go back and you could play every conversation that you've ever had as if it were on a tape recorder. Go back and replay every thought that you have ever had as if it had been recorded on a video camera. Go back and replay your life, what you've said and what you've done verbatim, not forgetting anything and even remembering the intention and the will of the heart as to what was taking place at that moment in time. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe it was the grace of God that allowed me not to be able to do that in many moments of my life. That there are things in my life that I would love to forget. There are moments that I would love to have never said what I said or have done what I did. We don't like to go back and think of those, especially if we see every gory detail of those thoughts and every detail of those words and every detail of those actions. That's a scary thought because what we realize is that when we look at ourselves 
we know that Scripture is telling the truth that our hearts really do come flooding out and demonstrate to those around us who we really are. And if you are a good Southern right living person who claims to be a Christian, the right things need to outweigh the bad things, and what you think of me can't be bad, so I can't let you see any of those negative things in my life. And when those moments that it erupts out of me, I want to take them back. Because I care what you think. And I care what you would say about me. I would say as we read and look at this passage this morning, we might ought to care more about what God thinks. And he doesn't need a camera, and he doesn't need recording, and he doesn't need your brain to remind him of the things that you've done and the intentions of your heart in doing or saying them. Stand with me, if you would, as we come to Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Let's read the word of God together. It says this, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaks. The good person out of the good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. May God add his blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. Remember, we are coming to this passage not in isolation, but we're coming to this passage after having heard the Pharisees condemn Jesus for acting on with evil intentions from evil power from a standpoint which we know was not where he was or who he was. And he has told them that there is the unpardonable sin, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, that the ongoing, continued, rebellious rejection of Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God as it moves in our lives to draw us to salvation, that the rejection of that in an ongoing basis is the unforgivable sin. And at some point, God will stop striving with you. And that may be at the point of death or it may be earlier. But who wants to take the risk? And so as he tells them that there are some things that will not be forgiven in this life or in the life to come, he's continuing this thought as he moves forward. And he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. Now this instantly reminds us of what Jesus has said in in the earlier chapters of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, judge the tree because a tree is going to be known by its fruit. Uh, an evil tree does not produce good fruit. A good tree does not produce evil fruit. You can't get apples from a fig tree. You can't get figs from an apple tree. A tree is known by its fruit. And there he was dealing with the actions of our lives come from within, and the actions of our life truly give demonstration to who we are on the inside and whether or not we are born again disciples of Jesus Christ. 
And I use the word disciple here specifically and directly, not because that my title is the pastor of discipleship and administration. And if you spend five minutes with me, we're going to talk about discipleship. I choose that word specifically and directly in this passage and as we go through Scripture because Jesus is not looking for more believers. He's already got enough. The Pharisees who were accusing him of doing things by Satan's power and by evil powers, they believed in God. They had grown up their whole life reading scripture. They could quote more scripture than probably anyone sitting in this room unless you've got the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. They knew what God's word said. They believed in the one true God. They believed in Yahweh of the Old Testament, right? Their failure in seeing the truth of who Jesus was is what comes back to condemn them later and what will bring judgment upon their lives. They were believers in God. They were not going to be disciples of Jesus, and that's what he's called us to be, is disciples. So as they were believers in what God was doing, they came to this scene, they confronted him, and he tells them, your works are good, Or your works are bad. And the tree is going to be known by either or. And in this passage, he's talking about the things that they are saying because of what they had just said. It wasn't actions that they were taking. They were actually speaking against him, speaking against the work he was doing, speaking against the Holy Spirit. And as they did, they were confronted with their sin instantly and at this moment by Jesus himself. And he's saying... Make the tree good. And we can take this in a couple of different ways and I believe truly be accurate in our interpretation and holding fast to what God would have us to hold fast in Scripture. He says, as you consider who I am and you consider what I've done and you consider the claims that I have made and you consider the life that I'm living before you, Consider whether or not you're going to make my works and my actions and my life good or whether in your eyes you're going to make them bad. We see this same thought come out in John chapter 10. And so as I'm going to turn over and look at John chapter 10 verses 37 and 38. He says this, If I'm doing good, the works of my Father, if I'm doing the works of my Father, Then do not believe. If I'm not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I am doing them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. So as as we see Jesus speaking to them, he said, Look at what I've done. I'm, I'm casting out. The evil demons, this deaf, mute demon from within this individual. And as I've done this, you've considered the work and said the work was good. And remember, he reminds them that their sons are doing the very same thing. And it's those sons who are going to stand before them and condemn them one day for the very things that they're doing right there. So the actions are good. The things that Jesus has done is good. And he said, consider what I've done. And he tells them in John 10, consider what I've done. Either my works are good or my works are bad, but they're an outworking of what's within me. And either I know the Father and am working in the power of the Father, or I don't know the Father and I have nothing to do with Him. But I know the Father. 
And he's in me and I am in him. And he's proclaiming this truth to them. He's saying, consider my works. And if you don't believe what I say, believe the works themselves. Let my actions and my attitudes in my life speak for me. That I have been obedient to God. That I am not acting on my own. That I am doing the will of God. And so he says, make, consider, make the tree good and make the tree bad. It can't be both. You can't stand here and not condemn me, or you can't stand here and condemn me for good works. If I'm doing bad works, you must condemn me, but if I'm doing good works, then you can't condemn me. But they were rejecting, they were refusing, they were failing to believe and put their trust in him. They were not having any desire to be disciples of Jesus. They were refusing to do that. They were refusing to move in that direction. Remember, this is what in John chapter 9, the blind man says. Right? This, he says, how, do you, how can he do these things? How can he cause a man to see who's never seen and that not be from God? Can you do that? The blind man, having very little understanding of who Jesus ultimately was, understood that Jesus works in his actions and what he did really drew out the conclusion, the only conclusion that one could come to, that he is good and from God. Remember when Jesus asked them the question about John the Baptist. Where does, where does the baptism of John come from? Did it come from heaven or did it come from man? Remember their, their heart hardened, refused to answer because they could not say it was true and not be willing to obey what was taking place. And yet their heart feared men more than it feared God and they would not say that it was not true and not of God. So Jesus is saying, consider who I am and consider what I've done. Believe because of what I've done. See what I've done. I am demonstrating good fruit in front of you. The only way to say I'm not is for you to reject the things that have been done. The other part of this, and a way that we can look at this, because I believe it really does hold a little bit of both of these meanings, is that make the tree good. I believe this holds the same connotations that Paul is going to utilize in Philippians 2 when he writes to the church at Philippi, and he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Make the tree good, and the tree will produce good fruit. Take in the gospel of Jesus Christ and allow the Spirit of God to overwhelm you. Allow the Spirit of God to come in you and you will produce good fruit. That's where Acts 1.8 says, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. You're not just going to live a life. A witness does not sit on the stand and say, Look at what I've done. A witness sits on the stand and says, this is my character. And because of that, I'm telling you the truth. But this is what I had to say about the events that are taking place. And so we see that it is, it is both of these. Consider who Jesus is and what he's done to the Pharisees and to us. That's our plea to you who don't trust him who are wondering if all of this that we talk about Jesus is real, if all of this stuff that we say about who God is is real, consider what Jesus has done. Consider the claims that he makes. Consider who he's done. Con consider who he is and consider what he's done for us. Consider the fact that his, he died on the cross for you and me. 
we hardly find a good man that's willing to die for another. But yet he died for us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. And so he's, he's acknowledging to them that you must consider what I have done. You must move in a direction, working with the Spirit of God to move in sanctification, to make the tree good, to be equipped and encouraged and satisfied in the work that God has called us to. And the outpouring of that is going to be different. But then he looks them square in the eye. And he doesn't ask them what they think. He doesn't ask them their opinion on the matter. He doesn't say, now don't you understand? Because Jesus knew the men that were in front of him were men whose hearts were hardened, and it was hardened so that they would not see the truth of who he was. They were not going to see the truth of who he was. They were going to reject him. They were going to reject him to the point that when he claims to be God and standing before them in trial, that rejection leads ultimately to the condemnation of death that he has to die, and that death is on the cross to fulfill the prophecy. That God has already proclaimed about who he is, what has happened, what is going to happen, and what is going to take place. And so we see that here that Jesus is going to be direct. You brood of vipers. Now that's a pretty strong statement. If I were just to walk into this crowd and say, you know, you guys are really just not good people. Most of you. Raise your eyebrows, be offended instantly, want to walk away. They were. I would be, you brood of vipers. And listen to what he says. He continued, how can you, how can you speak good when you are evil? Remember what he, he says, hey, judge what I'm doing by my works. Judge what I'm saying by my works. Make the tree good, because good trees, good fruit, bad trees, bad fruit. Scripture's overwhelming in saying that. That you are going to demonstrate who you are by what you do and what you say. But he knows them, and he knows they're evil, he knows they're wicked, and that's exactly what he says to them. How in the world could you say anything that is good, you evil and perverse generation? You brood of vipers, how can you even think to speak what is good? What you're speaking is evil because remember the context of where we are. They just looked at the Son of God who had come in the power of God and said, you're doing that by the works of Satan, by the power of Satan. That's evil. That's wicked intentions that they have that flow right out of their heart, longing to punish him, longing to put him to death, longing to disgrace him. How can you speak what is good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They were full of hatred. They were full of envy. They were full of pride. They were full of wickedness. They were full of every evil thing. And when they spoke, it simply came out. Demonstrated what was on the inside. Because the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
It's not your lips that are going to get you in trouble. It's not your tongue that's going to get you in trouble. It's your heart that's going to produce words with your tongue and with your lips that's going to get you in trouble. It's those things that come from your heart that are going to demonstrate whether or not you love Jesus. It's what comes out of the heart through your mouth that's going to be the abundance of what's inside. And you can squash it and you can hold it down and you can suppress it only for a time. But eventually what's inside is going to come to the outside. If your heart is evil and wicked, it's going to come out. I have a t-shirt and I had it made. And it says, don't follow your heart. And I believe that with all of my heart. Because I know that the word of God teaches me that my heart is evil and wicked above all else. And that the only thing I need to follow is Christ and his word. Because if Aaron follows Aaron's heart, I can tell you, you guys aren't much to me in that scenario. But when I follow the word of God, I have a love for you. And I have a care for you and a compassion for you and a longing for your best. That would never come out of my heart. Because I'm too selfish. I want too much for me. To be willing to give to you. Don't follow your heart. Follow Christ. Because eventually what's in your heart's going to come out. And it's going to be seen. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse says this, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for the building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Use your mouth to proclaim grace and mercy and peace to those around you. Let all of the things that are wicked and evil not come out. Not because you have overcome who you are, but because the power of God has overcome who you are. And he has taken the heart of stone that was within you and given you a soft heart that can love him. And because it can experience that love with him, love others. He says in verse 36, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you... On the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word. Out of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. Out of the treasure that you hold and that you store, it's going to come out. If your treasure is in this life, it's going to be demonstrated and displayed. If your treasure is in the eternity and the life to come, it's going to be demonstrated and displayed. If what you hold near and dear to your heart is of this world, it's going to come out. And if what you hold near and dear is of the kingdom of God, it's going to come out. What is in abundance in you, what you store up, what you treasure, what you value, what you hold dear is going to come out. And it's going to do one thing. It's going to reveal who you are on the inside. One of the great 
preachers of time past, George Whitfield, after doing an evangelistic type ministry and having a number of people come and make professions of faith, after the service, someone asked him, said, George, how many conversions did you have tonight? Because don't we want to count the numbers? Don't we want to see how many? Why? Are you going to go disciple them? Or do you want to be prideful about the number itself? George Whitfield gave one of the greatest responses that we could ever give. Not sure at the moment, but we'll know more in about six months. Not sure at the moment, but we'll know more in about six months. You know what George Whitfield understood? George Whitfield understood that you may be stirred with emotion and run crying to the front of any sanctuary or any altar call or any word that is proclaimed by a preacher. But whether or not the Spirit of God came into your heart and has begun to overwhelm that evil heart and make it a soft heart will not be fully demonstrated until the months to come. Because who you are on the inside always comes out. Always. It's going to become clear whether or not you have a true relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Because remember the parable of the sower and the seeds? Three out of the four that he talks about don't know Christ ultimately, do they? one that does produces fruit and when I read the word of God here in an earlier passages at the Sermon on the Mount the fruit that is produced must be good fruit if it's not why would you expect me to count you a believer why would you expect me to count you a disciple of Christ if your life does not bear out what you say about yourself and I understand that this is difficult passage this is difficult teaching to say that just because you say you believe does not mean that you are a child of the most high God I've got family who's gone before me. And I know what their lips said. I also know what came out of their heart. And I hate it. People refusing prayer in the last moments of their life refusing to talk about the word of God in the last moments of their life. And yet, if for some reason, they think they're going to enter and spend eternity with God. That doesn't make sense, people. That's not what Scripture teaches us. 
Scripture teaches us that your heart is full of something and whatever it is is going to come out and when it comes out, it's going to give the world around you a demonstration of who you really are. What's going to come out of you is the question. Because he says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For your words will be just by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, this thought here of of careless words is your Bible may say idle words, it may say empty words, it say may say vain words. They're all trying to get to the same point that when your words are either ill thought, when your words don't mean anything. When what you say is evil and wicked, it's going to be held against you. You will give an account for the careless, empty, idle words that you speak. This is not saying that you can't go have a general, fun-loving conversation with the guy down the street. It doesn't mean that pastors in the pulpit, when they're proclaiming the truth of God's Word, can't use humor and things to draw people in and encourage them. It doesn't mean that every word that you speak has to be pointed toward Christ. It does mean it can't be offensive to Christ. It does mean that we should be living a life that our words never bring dishonor to who God is. And that our actions and our words play out the gospel for those around us to see. You know, there's an old saying, and I can't remember who said it, but it said, share the gospel every day and use words when necessary. You can't share the gospel that way, folks. You have to use your words. The gospel is not explained by your good life. The gospel is explained by your good life and the words that you use to point people to the truth of who Jesus is so that they might know him as Lord and Savior. But if you never say anything, they might as well just look at creation because it does a better job than you and I do. Our words mean something. Our words are going to be used to point that we were pointing people to Christ, that we were bringing honor and glory to God, that we were a good tree. Or in the right here and the right now, that you are or you are not a bad tree, that you are or are not rotten at the core of who you are. And if you are, you don't need fixing, you need replanting, and the only way to do that is to become a new tree by the power of God and the Spirit of God. To become a new person because you can't take that rotten tree and do anything with it. It's dead inside and it has to have the life of Christ brought into it to make it different. But one day we will be held accountable. So you go back to that thought. Your life playing out in front of your eyes. Standing before an almighty God who is perfect. Who is holy, holy, holy who is just and righteous in every deed, in everything, in every thought, and in every word. Stand there and play your life with that. What mean words? Where are we? How do we stand? Are we rotten or are we not? Do we know him or do we not? It will eventually be made clear 
to those around us. And if not to those around us in the end, it will be abundantly clear as we stand before God in judgment. That by your words you will be justified or your words you will be condemned. Because why? Because the words that you speak, not themselves, because I can say I believe in Jesus or I don't believe in Jesus all day long. But it's because ultimately the words that we speak are going to come from the heart that it was within. And it's going to reveal that we either are deserving by the grace of God, by our profession of who Jesus is as Lord. Or we are undeserving by refusing and rejecting who he is as Lord. And so one day our lips, our words will be used for us or against us because they will demonstrate clearly who we are. love him or do we not love him are we rotten or are we good is the fruit that we are producing good fruit or bad fruit others can look at you and see and understand some things about you we can look and we can say that's good fruit or that's bad fruit Sometimes those may be in momentary actions and not a full life lived out for or against the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you know in your heart whether at the core of who you are you're rotten or good. And if you are good, it is only because the grace of God has invaded your life with the gospel saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and you have become a disciple of his. of the fruit of their lives, the words that they speak, the things that they do. So what I would ask as we come to a close of this service, you look within your heart. You look at the things you say and the things that you do. Do your lips bring honor and glory to God? If someone were to judge you based on what they hear you say, are you a believer, are you not? Are you good or are you rotten? If someone were to look at the actions of your life, are you good or are you rotten? What is the fruit that you are producing? Does it fall in line with the fruits of the Spirit? Love, kindness, gentleness? Or does it look just like the rest of the world? One day it's going to come out. See what scripture has to say today. Let's pray. Father, we come before you.